0: This, this,
1: this, this this is mythical.
0: The cilantro aversion, a genetically predetermined distaste or a scientific hoax purported by unsophisticated palates. Today we ask the question, are cilantro haters faking it? This is a hot dog is a sandwich.
1: Ketchup is a smoothie. Yeah, I
0: put ice in my cereal, so what? That
1: makes no sense. A
0: hot dog is a sandwich.
1: A hot dog is a sandwich.
0: What? Welcome to our podcast A Hot Dogs at the Sandwich, the show where we break down the world's biggest food debates. I'm your host, Josh Scherer.
1: I'm your host, Nicole Hendizade.
0: And today we are answering the question, are cilantro haters faking it? Nicole, what do you think?
1: No, I don't think they're faking it. Why would they be faking it?
0: They have a multitude of reasons. You're not inside their head. Uh, I do believe, I believe cilantro haters are faking it. I believe that obviously food tastes are real. There are people who do dislike cilantro, but I think at this point, once all those quote-unquote scientific studies came out saying that, like, it's purely to blame on your genes, everybody used that as an excuse, and they've since created the cilantro-hating identity off of it, and it gives them an excuse not to open themselves up to new foods and new cultures. Yes, they're faking it for attention.
1: What do you mean new foods and new cultures? Cilantro isn't that, like, out there. Cilantro's in a lot of different... It's in a lot of foods. That's not an excuse to not eat things.
0: What? Uh- Oh, Nicole, Nicole! So we need to get down to the science of this really fast because, like, we don't want to come off we I'm the only one in this you. group. I am the one who does not want to come off as anti-science. So, uh, they Twenty Three and Me did this very famous study. They have proven that there is one specific gene that is associated with the hatred of cilantro. It makes cilantro uh, taste like soap to people, and that's because the gene um, has uh, what is it? It creates a variation in the olfactory reception of aldehydes. And aldehydes are often associated with uh, rancidity in foods, so foods that have gone bad. And also it's found in like a byproduct of soap making. So a lot of people say cilantro tastes soapy. However, having a gene that makes something taste different to you does not immediately mean that you cannot eat a single leaf of cilantro, that you cannot learn to like cilantro is the other factor in this. And so I think a lot of people are just using this scientific study, you know, as a sort of uh, guard against them going out of their comfort zone.
1: Is this similar to you in the same vein as people that believe that they are uh, celiac or gluten-free? Is this kind of the way that you're looking at this uh, argument?
0: Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Obviously, there are Mm -hmm. people who Have celiac disease, which is very serious. I know people who have, who if they eat, you know, a single, I don't know, a grain of gluten, what quantity does gluten come in? If they eat a single gluten, they will, you know, end up in the hospital. I also do believe that there are a lot of people who are intolerant to gluten, especially in America. We talk about how much our wheat is processed compared to other countries and some of the spike in gluten intolerance. I eat a ton of bread. I got the tummy bubbles a little bit, you know? Uh, but do I think there are a lot more people who, you know, use gluten intolerance as an excuse at a restaurant to, you know, inconvenience a server. Sure. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se. Like, I get it. Diet is extremely personal. I'm not here to say that, you know, you you need to eat gluten. If you don't like to eat something, don't eat it. If you don't eat like to eat cilantro, you don't have to eat it. But these people who are chirping about how like, oh, it's genetic. I'm special. I have the cilantro hating gene. That's why, you know, we can't order the guacamole for the table it's just like uh you know what chill but
1: do you think they're faking it do you think their hatred is fake or is it just a convenience thing because i think if you hate like hate is a strong word you know if you like don't enjoy it why should you teach your why should you force yourself to like something there's no logic in that like if i don't like Eating snails, which I do love. I do love escargot. Why am I going to force someone to eat a snail? Like, what's the point of forcing people to like something? They don't have to like it. They can enjoy other things. It doesn't bother me if I'm, like you said, sitting at a table ordering guacamole for the table. If the person doesn't like cilantro, it's fine. We will, like... We'll just get to guacamoles, you know, we'll have the cilantro haters eat the cilantroless guacamole and then the ones that like cilantro will eat the, the proper guacamole, you know, I don't think people are just hating things to hate things as much as you think I don't think people are like that. Maybe I'm just like an intrinsically, I think everyone's like an intrinsically good person and like they just, you know.
0: <laughs> Wake up, sheeple. It's a cruel, dark cilantro-hating world out there and we need to fight against it. Uh, no. Okay. One, let's go back to the science a little bit. So in this 23andMe study, they found that- Have you
1: done 23andMe, Josh? Have no. Have you done 23andMe? Okay, I no. I did.
0: Wait, what'd you find out?
1: Um, I found out that I'm uh, part Iberian. I'm a little bit Ashkenazi and 2% unknown, which means that I'm from Mars. <laughs> and I like cilantro. I don't have the cilantro hating gene. There's like something about like haplogroups and like like you said, like aldehydes. I remember like looking through it extensively because I have this problem where like if I do like a like I like to like go back and like look at things that I did like five years ago to say, oh, I guess that is legit. Like it tells you if like uh, your pea smells like asparagus, like when you eat asparagus and stuff. It's really interesting.
0: It is, but no, I, I, don't, I don't know if I just want to give away all my genetic information to find out if I have the asparagus P gene. That's weird to me. And also, I think one of the reasons I didn't want to do 23andMe is because my ex-girlfriend's mom got it for me for Christmas, and I was like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what are you trying to find in my gene pool, lady?
1: It's so cool. I found out, like, th- like illnesses that I might get when I'm older, which was kind of freaky dinky, but, like, whatever. It's interesting. Like, I might get <laughs> AFib when I'm 80. Like, what the frick? <laughs>
0: I like leaving that stuff up to chance. Where is, you know, the the magic in life if you don't think you might get, you know, early onset Alzheimer's? That's <laughs> I
1: think it's interesting.
0: It is interesting. It's not interesting enough for me to want to do it. And again, I think it's funny that do they just straight up say on the 23andMe test, like, you got the cilantro-hating gene?
1: It said that um you are likely to not have this gene due to your genetic composition. Interesting. Okay, yes. So
0: so one of the things that they found in that study is that it is predominantly people who have this cilantro-hating gene are predominantly from uh, white European descent, right? And if you think about the cultures that typically eat cilantro more, it tends to be, uh, you know, Latin America and uh, East, Southeast, and I suppose South Asia. So most of Asia uh, eats cilantro, even though the history of cilantro it was technically from, like, the Eastern Mediterranean and actually used to be a big part of European diets. We go on and on about the history of cilantro, but the way it stands now cilantro predominantly in latin and asian cuisines do you think that there is intrinsic value in opening yourself up to other people's cuisines do you think you can learn about the world from eating other people's food
1: of course you can absolutely and, i'm a huge i'm a huge proponent of that
0: and do you think that it is always appropriate so say you want to eat a bowl of pho and in this uh you know, particular regions bowl of pho, cilantro plays a big role in it. In South Vietnam, cilantro is a big part of pho. So do you think it would be appropriate to still try and experience that cuisine without one very key ingredient? Do you think you're still getting the full experience? Or do you think that you are kind of imparting your own tastes onto that without truly opening yourself up to the possibilities of it.
1: No. Listen, if you try it and you don't like it, that's it. That's done. You should, I respect your decision to at least try it and give it an honest go. Try it in different preparations, sure. But I don't think you're missing out on, did you say Southern Thai? Uh, so-
0: southern Southern Vietnam. and Northern Vietnam, I believe. No, ba Southern Vietnam, sorry. Mostly have No, in Southern...
1: No, in Southern Vietnam cuisine, I think if you don't eat the cilantro, I don't think that's disrespectful to a culture. Like if someone came to my house and um, they don't like sumac, sumac berry is a huge, super, super important part of Persian culture. If they come over and they try it and they don't like it, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to be like, poo-poo, like you uncultured swine. It's just a preference. And like, I respect their preference. You know, I gave like, good job. You tried it. You enjoyed it. Whatever. Like, you did your part. And if you didn't enjoy it, that's totally fine. Here's some other food that doesn't have any sumac in it. Tell me what you think. That's how I would go about it. Because I think people are good.
0: <laughs> and I think, what's that, Hobbes or Locke that believe that people were inherently evil. Uh, No, I don't. But I do think people are sometimes inherently closed minded. And there are evolutionary reasons for that, right? Especially if you look at how tastes developed. Okay, so if you think about the reasons that evolutionarily, we enjoy certain foods, like we enjoy a sweet taste, because your body purely like runs off of glucose. And so there's an evolutionary need to have sugar in your diet that gives you energy makes you not die, you like sweet things. Uh, you tend to yeah. like acidic things because they're associated with fruits and fruits have essential vitamins in them. We have the taste umami because uh, at least a lot of anthropologists think that it's something that incentivize you to eat proteins and also fermented foods. So all these kind of make sense. Uh, and so the want to avoid that aldehyde taste that people with the cilantro gene say that they have um, is, you know, a biological imperative. Aldehydes are created from rot and bugs spraying defense mechanisms and all that. However, yummy. However, there are so many times uh, in our lives that we overcome that. Nicole, what's your favorite cocktail?
1: Oh, I love Negronis.
0: We both love Negronis, but what's the main taste that you associate with a Negroni?
1: Bitter death.
0: Bitter death, right? Like bitterness is literally your body's mechanism to tell you, like this is poison. poison. This is gonna kill you. Poison, you dummy. Poison. <laughs> so if you if you tried a Negroni for the first time, say when you were younger, especially. Do you think you would have immediately associated that as a good taste?
1: No. Right? No, but the first time I had gin, I was 15 and I was at a bar mitzvah and I got like seven screwdrivers and I'm like, this is great. So maybe I'm just an anomaly.
0: No, that's that's a really good point. Also, wait, the first time I had gin was at a bar mitzvah when I was underage.
1: Oh my gosh, I drank a maybe bunch it of, was the same one.
0: My cousin Vic gave me a bunch of gin and tonics and uh, yeah, there's like a fake Jamaican MC and I, I tried to teach people how to Dougie. But I didn't know how to Dougie. Yeah, tough.
1: I had gin and tonics too. Wait, it wasn't Screwdrivers. Screwdrivers was another one when I was like 16. <laughs> but yeah, gin and tonics were the first drink I ever drank at, like, at a bar mitzvah. And I was like loosey-goosey. But you know, gin is bitter, but I was just living my life. Well, I guess I knew that I wasn't dying because it was alcohol and not poison. Yeah, also don't don't drink under age, please. Thank you. If you're listening to this, please don't drink if you are under age. Drink when you are 21, when you are legal enough to drink. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Chat message from Ryan Moody. Give a don't <coughs> underage drink to cover us. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we, uh, don't don't underage. You know, you uh, in Europe, they're allowed to, you know, but no, crimes are bad, I suppose, uh, if we have to say it. <laughs>
1: okay so times are bad
0: that's an, that's actually a really interesting point that you brought up the, the fact that you associate that bitter taste with fun and good memories right so it now created a positive memory in your mind associated with bitterness even though biologically you're not supposed to like that in the same way that someone isn't supposed to like cilantro if they have that gene but now you associate bitter with getting slizzard <laughs> get a bar mitzvah you know and so that's getting
1: a, slizzard is that is that from uh Don't tell me, fly like a G6.
0: Yeah, yeah, correct. Correct. So that's the thing. If you expose yourself enough to something and create positive memories around it, you can overcome this biological imperative to have a bad taste. And I think cilantro would fall into that category. Obviously, it's different because gin is fun juice and it makes bar mitzvahs more tolerable when you don't speak Hebrew. But I think if you say we had like a dinner party at your place and I have never tried sumac and, you know, I try it and I go, "Mm, I don't immediately like that. But then someone gives me like a little gentle nudge of just like, no, 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 it's really, really good on this food. It's very important, you know, in Iran and in our cuisine, try it on this and we're all having a fun time, you know. And then I might leave, you know, having a different appreciation for sumac because I've had this complete experience with it. Whereas if you don't, you know, completely open yourself up to it, you're never going to have that. And I think it takes more than one time to try food. I think exposure can like really kind of, you know, help you and push you through this.
1: Is this a Pavlov's dog situation, like associating cilantro with good times? And then is that what it is? Is it like similar?
0: Yeah, it's it's to me, it's the same. The same thing as that you just uh, have this like positive mind association with something. And I think there's really uh, a lot of value to it in terms of like empathizing with other cultures. Say you're a white American who doesn't like cilantro, uh, then, you know, there was um, uh, a writer, but he, he wrote a story about bringing, uh, you know, Chinese food in his lunch uh, to school and, you know, a lot of the white kids making fun of him for having cilantro on top of that. Or his mom would pack him Story in of my sandwich. life. Right? But that's why I'm saying that <sighs> kids people... Kids make fun
1: of me all the time. Kids still make fun of me
0: when I of, eat. What kind of lunches would you bring?
1: Oh my gosh. So some... Okay. Have you ever had kebab, but you had it a day after and it smells like a bowl of farts? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, when I eat kebab, there's none left.
1: Okay, whenever you whenever you like save kebab and you put it in a Tupperware, like those airtight concealers, and then you open it up, it, it reeks. Okay? It smells like farts, just <laughs> ruminating through the lunchroom, and no one wants to sit next to you when your food smells like farts. So it's okay if there's three or four cilantro leaves on there, because no one cares anyways, because your food smells like a fart.
0: <laughs> but what if what if those kids had been exposed to that flavor? Because I, I I know the, the fart
1: flavor? I
0: know, okay things fart is an objective term sometimes there's things that i'm like mm, that smells like fart but i really want to eat it right a good french cheese a plus we talked about this last episode it smells like farts it smells like someone threw up in a dumpster but you still see farts you literally refer to the tasting notes in a plus as cabbagey what other bodily function is cabbagey but a fart so there's certain <laughs> things that like they smell bad but good like fish sauce yes sm- like that's a perfect example fish sauce you know smells objectively bad but then you're like Oh, damn, I remember eating this really delicious bowl of bun nung at a Vietnamese restaurant. I know that quote unquote bad, you know, rank smell is actually very, very good flavor. And you associate that smell with positivity now. So I think there's benefit to exposing yourself to different foods, especially from different cultures, especially things that you may not like the first time. I think you can get like genuine empathy from that. What if those kids yeah. have been exposed to kebab and they were like, that's not fart. That's delicious old kebab." <laughs>
1: They would be much nicer to me and not make fun of my eyebrows that were uh, one, one eyebrow, one large eyebrow. (laughs) No, but, but, but again, I don't, I think if you give it a few tries and you still don't like it, that's okay. Like you don't need to, what I'm saying is you don't need to force yourself to like something and you don't need to force yourself to hate something, you know, just, it's like not necessary. If you feel some way, it's okay to express it. You don't need to force yourself to like everything. Do you like everything, Josh? Is there one thing you don't like? What don't you like to eat?
0: There is, it is a uh, raw celery is the only thing that I hate. And so...
1: Great, you're you're correct. Are you faking? Are you faking hating raw celery because you've tried eating it seven times, which you for sure have?
0: No, I I don't believe I am. I don't enjoy it. I don't believe
1: you, Josh. You should have it in a different (laughs) preparation. Josh, have you tried it in this preparation? What about a raw salad? What about if it's marinated with a little bit of uh, cumin seed and lemon juice? Have you ever thought about having it with peanut butter and raisins, a la ants on a log?
0: I, I haven't. Wait, didn't you did, did you or your mom make me a really delicious um, Koresh with celery?
1: Um, It was my mom, but I brought her for you.
0: Yeah, it was really good. Uh, I like cooked celery. But no, I, I do. Your point is very, very well taken. It is as annoying as I find it when people won't give cilantro even a single chance and they, you know, pick it out of all food and the inconvenience waiters, I understand how it would be like equally, if not more annoying for somebody to say like, no, 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 I know you better than you know you, you will like cilantro. So I totally get exactly. that. Exactly.
1: So I, I don't think, are you saying that, that hating cilantro is just a cape for hating other cultures?
0: <laughs> no, not, <laughs> no, not necessarily. But I, I do think the two can be somewhat linked uh, in a way, I suppose.
1: I really don't think it's that deep. I mean, if you get, like I said, if you give it a, a, tr- a good honest try and you don't like it, that's, I mean, that's that. It is what it is. Why force it, you know? I mean, do you, I like here, like here's some information about some people that don't like it. Ina Garten, my queen, literally the one person I look up to the most says, I know people love it and you can add it to the recipe. I just hate it. That's okay, Ina. I still love and respect you even though you hate cilantro. Kim Kardashian. The, queen, the Armenian queen of internet <laughs> viral videos and photos. She doesn't like it. Julia Child, the actual like first food star, said herself she would pick cilantro out and throw it on the floor if, if it was in her dish. And you know what? That's totally fine. Her hatred is valid. You can totally use that, and you can say it for mint. You can say it for parsley. You can say it for X, Y, and Z. Do I think that the taste of soap is like a little bit dramatized. Yeah, a little bit. I don't think it's that bad. Did you ever did you ever get your mouth cleaned out with soap when you were a kid, Josh?
0: Yes, yes, I did.
1: Me too. I really did like all the time because I was a naughty young <laughs> child. But you know, I mean, it's not that unpleasant. The soap isn't that icky. <laughs> I,
0: uh, I watched a lot of South Park. Uh, I think I watched the South Park movie when I was like seven years old. And so I probably deserved to Okay, so th- there's a, a story in the New York Times where uh, author Harold McGee wrote about one of the first studies that came out about the cilantro hatred, and he called up a neuroscientist named Jay Gottfried, um, who he didn't even know that he had any relationship with cilantro. He just wanted to talk about it, but it turns out this Jay Gottfried, neuroscientist at Northwestern, uh, was a former cilantro hater, uh, and he had this really fantastic quote. May I read it?
1: Of course, you may.
0: Thank you. I love. You're I love food and I ate all kinds of things and I kept encountering it. My brain must have developed new patterns for cilantro flavor from those experiences, which included pleasure from the other flavors and the sharing with friends and family. That's how people in cilantro eating countries experience it every day. So I began to like cilantro. It can still remind me of soap, but it's not threatening anymore. He's talking about in the biological imperative. So that association fades into the background and I enjoy its other qualities. On the other hand, if I ate cilantro once and never willingly let it pass my lips again, there never would have been that chance to reshape the perception. So... I'm not saying you should ever force someone to eat cilantro. I'm not saying to like really harp on it. But to the people who claim that they have the cilantro-hating gene, just try it a couple times. You still may not like it, but all I ask is that like you give it a couple good, solid attempts at it. And even there's, uh, if you, what is it? If you kind of like smash cilantro, then it actually Mm -hmm. like uh, breaks down some of the compounds that form the aldehydes. And so that can be like a good gateway into doing it. There was at the end of this article, he talks about making a cilantro pesto and that being like a gateway into it. So all I'm saying is having the open mindedness to not use, you know, this uh, study that says it's in your gene pool. It can't be avoided. Like you still have some agency over yourself. Tastes are completely fluid. The first time you drank beer, you probably hated it. And then the 19th (laughs) time you drank beer when you're of age, Ryan, uh, you probably had a really good time. And all I'm saying, don't force people, and obviously not—they're not faking that this uh, genetic difference does exist. But I do think it's overdramatized and a smokescreen.
1: Okay, I agree that it is uh, overdramatized. I'll agree with you on that, but I also don't think it's fake.
0: Yeah, I—I I guess you're—you're <laughs> you're correct that it's not fake. I, I like—I do believe that the science exists, and I don't believe that everyone—it's like gluten intolerance is real. It's really unfair to say that that's fake um you know especially the people who end up in the hospital because of it um yeah but i would say another part of it is i think this has become like a sort of identity for certain people like if you look at all the Mm -hmm. face there's so many facebook pages that exist that are like uh, cilantro haters (laughs) anonymous and it's like you're not anonymous because you're really going off on it yeah and there's so many memes about it that i think that all reinforces it culturally That like this is just a genetic thing and I hate it and that tastes are completely fixed and I'm never going to like this. And so I think that's like part of the problem is that people use it as like, you know, I'm not like the other kids. I hate cilantro. You know, it makes them feel kind of special for that. It's like uh, left handers. Aren't they the worst?
1: Josh, I'm left handed.
0: (laughs) Yes, that is my joke.
1: (laughs) Josh, that (laughs) half of my identity is being left handed. The other half is cooking. (laughs) What? You ruined me. I have a, I have a serious question. Are there any dishes that do not work with cilantro? Do you think cilantro absolutely like obliterates a dish? Have you ever experienced that?
0: I'm trying to think about it. I I mean, I'm personally and again, I'm coming at this from a very biased source, but I am a huge cilantro lover, especially growing up in Southern California. You know, my parents didn't cook at all. And so I grew up eating at local taquerias and I lived mm-hmm. in a big Vietnamese neighborhood and cilantro is like really big in both those cuisines. Uh, And so I'm sure the first time I had it, like it wasn't my favorite thing. Uh, But now when I make guacamole, like it is forest green because of the amount of chopped cilantro that I put in there. Uh, It's one of my favorite flavors to me. It has a very kind of grassy smell in the way that like fresh Mm -hmm. jalapenos do uh, or, you know, any sort of like really aggressive green or chives. uh, But I really love it. So, I mean, you can put too much cilantro in a dish in the way that you can put too much of any ingredient in a dish. Uh, But for me, I mean, it's just this pure, absolute bright uh verdancy to it
1: i agree i mean i can't eat a street taco without tons of cilantro and cebolla on it if i don't it's not the same i don't think it's ever ruined a dish for me either so
0: you're saying that it's never been like if someone really wanted to enjoy a street taco in the proper context you're saying they would need the cilantro right yes right that's what I'm saying.
1: Yes.
0: That's the proper context. Like, you said it best yourself. It's not the same if you don't have the cilantro on there. The cilantro is the freshness that cuts through all, you know, the fatty meats. It's like people who don't put, like, salsa on their tacos. It's just like, no, this is the relationship. This is the social contract you signed when you rolled up to this taco truck. And then there's people that go, I don't like Mexican food because it's dry. And it's like, you didn't visit the salsa bar, bro. What are you doing?
1: I'm, I'm trying to hide my face so you can't see how, like how like found i just became (laughs) (laughs) because because literally if i go to a taco truck and someone isn't eating cilantro on their tacos i give them the side eye yeah i do too Uh,
0: i love uh, i love how none of this was like you were like yeah don't don't put the sumac on the persian food who cares but when it came to like street tacos you were just like there better be cilantro (laughs) on there or else you're dead
1: oh my gosh why is that that's so weird
0: i know that's a part of it i think it's probably because you and i have like a deep deep respect for you know uh that food culture and you know the fact i really do yeah me too you know, and so I'm not saying force people to eat cilantro, but I'm saying that you are missing out on a valuable part of life by not opening yourself up fully to like all the tastes of the world and the cultures of the world. That's my yeah. Only but
1: what if? But what if you don't like it? This is my. Pr- this is the conundrum. Like, what if you just don't like it? Does that mean you're not allowed to partake in the experience of a street taco? I want everyone to experience street tacos. I, but does that mean that they can't experience it because they hit cilantro or can they still, you know, navigate around it by having just onions on it and still, you know, kind of being with the crew, even if they get side eyed. But from that weird girl on the corner, <laughs> me, <laughs>
0: I, don't I know. mean, that's a heck of a question. I know if if I went to a restaurant and they were like, it is very traditional to put raw celery on this dish, I would eat it. I would understand that it's not my favorite flavor to me. It kind of, you know, uh, really permeates the dish very deeply. That said, I would absolutely bite the bullet and eat it as it was meant to be eaten and not, to me, in what is a somewhat selfish act, you know, ask them to remove that. That's my opinion. I think that if you expose yourself enough to it and you create these positive memory associations with it, which what is a more positive memory association than going to Leo's taco truck? Uh, Or no, you're you're an El Chato girl?
1: Yes, I am. Going Thank down. you for catching that. <laughs> yes,
0: I'm tacos Tomics. That's my spot. I just assumed Leo. Never had
1: that before.
0: Anyways, LA street street taco politics aside, uh, rolling up to El Chato at one in the morning. You know, having you know that fresh taste of cilantro and the spicy salsa and the fatty al pastor or cabeza in your mouth. I think you will learn to appreciate it.
1: Damn it, Josh. That's all I'm saying. Ah.
0: So you're saying that science is fake in that we create. <laughs>
1: no. No, I'm not saying that. I just think, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'm more confused than I started. And this always happens to me because my mind gets blown and then I just, I'm just left blubbering and and my voice gets heightened and like I, I can't make eye contact and no, it just gets weird.
0: (laughs) No, it it is. It's a really complicated uh, issue. You know, like you don't ever want to tell someone that your personal preferences are wrong, but then how... Do you excuse someone just saying like, my personal preferences exclude a large swath of cuisine from an entire part of the world that I've never actually opened myself up to? So it's very complicated. But to me, just have an open mind and don't you know use this whole uh, genetic idea that there's a cilantro-hating gene out there as an excuse for you to just close yourself off to certain foods. Open Fine. your heart, open your mind, and stop faking it, you idiot. Nicole, we've heard what you and I have to say. Now it's time to find out what other wacky ideas are rattling out there in the Twitterverse. It's time for a segment we call "Opinions, Opinions are, like are like casseroles." Casseroles. We're never going to be able to get that right. Overzoom. Just Zoom.
1: do it with confidence, dude. What's wrong uh, with you?
0: Three, two. Opinions, Opinions are like are casseroles. Like casseroles. <laughs> Okay, let's start with uh, at Twitter. we got at Toafster oven. Donut shops are useless if they don't also serve breakfast sandwiches. I'm prepared to fight anyone about this. Toaster, drop, drop the gloves, bro, get into the octagon. I'll I'll be flat on my back. you you get in my guard. I'll get you in uh, God, I know nothing about MMA. Um, <laughs> well, I, in in LA, most donut shops do also serve breakfast sandwiches and a lot of them serve boba and some of them sell cigarettes. Uh, I love my LA donut shop. <laughs> They are my favorite institutions in the world. Shout out to the Cambodian community because they actually own most LA donut shops. Um, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say they're useless, though. I don't know. I think there's room for standalone donut shops.
1: I mean, if you do something good and that's that's your namesake, do it. There's no problem. You don't need to, like, pull out all the tricks and, and be, like like, you know, a superstar. Just do one thing and do one thing good and, you know. It's it's worth it. It's good. You're not useless. Yeah. They're very I like that. Yeah.
0: There's use to a good donut.
1: Agreed. Okay. Random Jeff says All places that serve wings should have a flats only option on the menu. It is a superior wing and the and the only one anyone needs to talk about. Unless that's an option, I'll enjoy boneless wings instead. Okay, I agree because I love flats and I don't want to eat the the drums. But the secret is you need to date someone who um likes the drums so you can eat all the flats. This is how this is how relationships work. It doesn't matter about you know you know the same religion you know respect uh, attractiveness. No, all that matters is when you eat wings, one person eats the ones you don't like, and that's it.
0: That's so beautiful, I might cry. (laughs) Um, The problem with having a flats only option on the menu is that there's just going to be like thousands of drumettes thrown out because flats are vastly superior to drumettes. And so that's why a lot of restaurants will have a drumettes only option, but no flats only option because like they're trying to get the drumettes out of there. They're just worse drumsticks. So I agree in theory, but very hard to actually practice. Okay, Random Jeff has another one, but this one's important. So I really want to read it. Chili with beans is not chili. You don't get to change my ancestors' food and keep the name. Call it American chili or something so people can know you aren't serving authentic chili. There's a there's a reason official competitions ban beans. Chili is one of the most fascinating foods in the entire world because like mm-hmm. its full name is like chile con carne, a Spanish dish ch- chile spelled with an E, meaning actual like mm-hmm. dried chilies with meat. And it is a very native Tejano dish. Uh, I'm reading a fantastic book by Gustavo Arellano about the history of Mexican food in America. And, like, uh, you know, back in the late 19th century, there were what they called the chili queens of San Antonio, um, back when it was, you know, actually a part of Mexico, who were serving like legit chili con carne. And that became the first taste of Mexican food for America. But now, like, you know, you have this sweet ketchup meat sauce on top of hot dogs that we also call chili that has like nothing similar to it and then you have all these vegan nine bean chilies cooked in a slow cooker that just looks like a can of progresso soup uh so it's really fascinating and you know i might agree with you that we need different names for legit like chili con carne and uh or a bowl of texas red as they call it and then you know cincinnati style chili that you slop on top of spaghetti but all of them are delicious but i think we should call them different things
1: I don't have enough of uh, information about this to really comment on it, so I'm just gonna let you go on that. All right, Big Mama J double zero. Step one order Arby's mozzarella sticks. Step two, f that marinara (laughs) sauce. get bronco berry sauce wait step three lament wasted years of not doing this first of all my dad's favorite restaurant in the whole entire world is arby's so i'm definitely gonna do this and uh i don't know what bronco berry sauce is in my household we know two sauces horsey sauce and arby's sauce literally i have one of those green uh whole foods uh salad containers full of both sauces so uh i don't know man big mama underscore whatever your name is i'm gonna try this (laughs) <laughs> Out of respect for you, because your name is Big Mama.
0: I, I saw the phrasing of that come up, and I was like, I wonder if Nicole's going to change the words. <laughs> no. Nah. No. But that said, dipping mozzarella sticks into a sweet sauce makes a lot of sense to me, uh, because I I was just thinking <laughs> right before we started recording this, I was like, what if you made a really delicious mac and cheese and, like, drizzled honey on it? You know, like, like yeah. a good, like, w- a bunch of, like, white cheese in it, like maybe even toss some Humboldt fog in there. I love, like, cheese and sweet, like, salty cheese and some sort of sweet drizzly thing i love so i'd be into that same
1: i'm 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 in the same boat should we move on to the next one yeah what do
0: we got we got only pomegranate don't know if this is weird but sugar plus pumpkin plus cinnamon is a turkish dish and it's great it translates to pumpkin dessert we're very straightforward like that uh that sounds dope i like the idea of eating vegetables for dessert and not just like vegetables blended into stuff like a carrot cake but it's taking a sugar and roasting it with pumpkin and cinnamon on it That sounds incredible. What a lovely, like, healthier dessert than a refined pastry.
1: We do that too, but we do it with um, yellow squash, I believe, or acorn squash. It's really, really good. Big fan. Big fan.
0: Uh, A thing a lot of, uh, like, West Asian people have told me, like people from the Middle East and the Levant, is that white people can never understand fruit culture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how, my like, mom
1: is literally my mom is literally on the other side of the door right now, probably with a plate of fruit, waiting for me to stop this podcast so she can come hand it off to me.
0: I, I want that so much.
1: It's just a sign of love.
0: <laughs> my dad would microwave me Hot Pockets sometimes. I guess that's, that's love. That's the same
1: thing. That's totally the same thing, Josh. Mine is just <laughs> fresh fruit. Yours is ham and cheese. Okay. Uh, Crisp Ranger 2166 says, barbecue does not belong on pizza. It blink and slaps. Even I replay... I even replaced the sauce with barbecue.
0: He said it does uh, it does belong on pizza. Oh, no.
1: Barbecue does belong on pizza. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I love a good barbecue chicken pizza from CPK. <laughs> yeah. I know
0: you do, too. <laughs> Just rub it all over my body. <laughs> Let me shower off in the sink.
1: Josh loves barbecue sauce so much, it actually doesn't make sense. Like Josh, I think Josh should just like take all the blood out of his body and just fill it up with Stubbs barbecue and he would be like so happy.
0: No, I'm doing the long game. I'm just eating so much Stubbs barbecue that it's naturally infusing my blood with it. Like if I get Has a- your
1: skin <laughs> turned more more ruddy because of it?
0: It has. If I get a paper <laughs> cut, I just smell like liquid smoke.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Barbe- barbecue chicken pizza is fantastic it was a part of my childhood it was the fanciest dish i had eaten until i was 18 years old i love it and i also hate when they just put a normal red sauce on it and then drizzle barbecue sauce on top no barbecue sauce is the sauce it is the garnish it is the dessert i love you chris pranger 2166
1: i love it too i love him too i love you (laughs)
0: This is a good callback. Uh, Samantha Young 6, Cincinnati-style chili is the best chili, hands down, no contest. You Can need a- <laughs> you
1: tell me what it is? What is Cincinnati chili?
0: Okay, so Cincinnati-style chili uh, it is commonly served at a restaurant chain called Skyline up there, and that's where they will put the chili on top of, like, spaghetti with cheddar cheese. Oh, and yeah. Canimins. I've but seen it. what makes their chili really interesting is it was invented by a Macedonian immigrant, who basically mm-hmm. like had this um, Macedonian dish that is a braised meat dish with tomato and red wine and cinnamon. Uh, I've had a, a Greek or Albanian dish called Kapama that's really similar, and I really love the flavor profile. Um, but he needed like a new way to kind of market this to Americans, and chili was kind of big at the time. It sort of looked like chili, and so he said, "Screw it, I'm gonna call this like random Macedonian um, stew of uh, chili." And so it, that's why it's it's so much sweeter. Uh, the only link that it has with chili is that like they're both red and have meat in it. Yeah, yeah. And so it's okay. It's delicious. I'll just like submerge a hot dog in it, French dip style, and eat it. But like to me, there's nothing better than a bowl of Texas Red Chile con Carne.
1: I don't. I still don't know enough about chili to comment <laughs> on this. But I I respect your your decision. Nicole, <laughs> to we talk to, about this freely. We,
0: we need to have like a chili night because there's been so many chili comments. We're like, I eat it with peanut butter sandwiches. I ate it with cinnamon rolls in Kansas City. We need to just do a whole chili day.
1: Okay, that's fine. But I need a bottle of Tums and a bottle of Pepto-Bismol and uh, just like some K.O. Pectate just in case I die. Okay, S- Squidney Louise says, my husband and I constantly fight about whether soy sauce is a salad dressing. Please settle this once and for all. <laughs> okay so like some people they like to just put acid on their salad dressings like some people like some people like to put just like a squirt of lemon and that's their dressing and like that's fine like that's cool is it for me no absolutely not but like it's cool like if you want to put soy sauce on your salad greens live your life I don't care
0: Yeah, I I don't think you could reasonably call it a salad dressing. If I, like, ordered a salad dressing at a restaurant, and there's, like, here's a packet of Kimlon soy sauce, I'd be like, are you going to apologize? Soy sauce, (laughs) I'll add soy sauce to the vinegar, and I respect if people are just adding, I mean, honestly, raw vegetables dipped in soy sauce is really good, so sure. But, like, is it a salad dressing? Is such a definitive philosophical quandary that I feel like I'd have to say no. (laughs) Okay, at... And wait a minute.
1: (laughs) That's a good name. That's a good name.
0: Guacamole is just Mexican mashed potatoes (laughs) and sushi is Japanese burritos. Um, No, guacamole. I I mean, that word literally predates Spanish uh, and predates, you know, the introduction of mashed potatoes to anywhere not in Latin America because potatoes are a new world crop, as we all know, that came from Peru. Uh, And so, no, guacamole is like a, a millennia old dish. Um, that comes from a native plant uh sushi is japanese burritos i think it's funny they're trying to define a mexican dish as something else but then they're defining a japanese dish as a mexican dish this is all over the place um but no uh, (laughs) all over the
1: place (laughs) uh,
0: that said there are trucks that serve sushi burritos in la that are just giant uncut sushi rolls and it's just sushi that's very hard to eat but this is and wait a minute maybe you gotta wait a minute this is wild
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know about all this. It's really confusing. It's making my brain go, we wee, don't really care about it. Uh, <laughs> m- Mullen cider. My dad will have baby carrots, yogurt, a bowl of peanut butter, honey, and a Coca-Cola for lunch immediately after mowing the lawn. <laughs> um, your dad is, you know, satiating his body after a long, hard, uh, you know... Physical task, man. Don't don't make him feel bad about enjoying food after sustenance. Like he just mowed your lawn, say thank you and go move out of the way.
0: You, you know who this dad is? This dad is a man who knows what he wants in life and he's not afraid to get it. He's like for lunch, I I know most a lot of people may eat a sandwich, some people may eat a rice bowl. Nah, I want baby carrots, yogurt, a bowl of peanut butter, and honey, and a Coca-Cola. And that's his right. That sounds like a lovely little Metzip platter.
1: Agreed.
0: All right, at Michaela underscore seven eleven peanut butter on bread with spaghetti. <laughs> Sorry, so many peanut butter. Peanut butter on bread with spaghetti bolognese is fire.
1: Spag bowl. Have you ever seen people that are from like England and they go, And oh, you like to eat a bowl of spag bowl?" And they're like, <laughs> for the longest time, I'm like, "What is spag bowl?" And then they were just eating pasta. I'm like, "Oh, spaghetti bolognese." Well, yeah, it's Sorry. It's, it's
0: Australian, right? Spag bowl.
1: Uh, I don't know, but like I like to watch like dating shows that are like not from America, and they go, "I make the best spag bol." <laughs> I don't know where the accent's from. I'm assuming it's like it's like English because you know you kind of like I like to eat spag bol.
0: <laughs> I can't look up here. I like I'm from Essex. Yeah,
1: no, they're from they're from the shore, whatever it's called. Jo- Georgie Shore is that what it is?
0: Oh, jo- yeah. What is Geordie? I don't know. Did you watch Too Hot to Handle on Netflix?
1: No, but it's on my freaking queue. How uh,
0: have you not watched that yet? It's the best show it's that's ever. It's on been my
1: made. queue. It's on my queue.
0: It's so good. Anyway, peanut butter, bread, spaghetti, bolognese. Yeah, why not?
1: Uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever floats your boat. Whatever floats your boat. All
0: right, I- Josh,
1: we're done. This
0: is oh, our done. last one. We're done. We did it. Can I go home now?
1: Do you have to say your last words?
0: Onion. I like casa rolls. <laughs> Everyone's got one, and it smells like <laughs> onions. Opinions are like casserole's, sometimes they have tater tots. <laughs> And on that note, thank you for listening to a hot dog sandwich. We've got new episodes for you every Wednesday.
1: If you want to be featured on Opinions Are Like Casseroles, you can hit us up on Twitter at MythicalChef or nhandizadeh with the hashtag OpinionCasserole.
0: For more Mythical Kitchen, check us out on YouTube. We launch new videos every week.
1: And of course, if you want to share pics of your dishes, hit us up on Instagram at Mythical kitchen.
0: We'll see you next time. Bye. Eat some dang Cilantro.